So what time does the seven o'clock meeting start? Seven o'clock. <laughs> so welcome to New Freedom. Welcome to Position of Neutrality. Is there anyone in here in this room for the first time tonight? Oh, good, a bunch of you. Great. Welcome. And let us warn you in advance, you're liable to perceive us as a little different than other meetings of other fellowships. Um, primary reason is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for lots of years. Now we, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what I do here is try and show you how I find my experience in the book. It's not me, even if it looks like it. It's not me trying to tell you what it says. That's none of my business, what it says to you. But what I will do is I'll show you how I find my experience and encourage you to find yours. And if we both do our job, we share a spiritual experience in here every night that we get together. How many of you can witness that that's true? For those of you online, they're raising their hand. We can't show you that because of the anonymous nature of our fellowship. Um, the other thing we've been doing at New Freedom, we went through a bit of a rough patch uh, the last quarter of last year, and we declared that we were people of faith, and we started praying, and, and all the AA meetings and most of the 12-step meetings I've ever been to always open with a prayer. We take it one step further. We got a chaplain in the house, and he's going to open us with a prayer, and then we're going to get right into it. Thank you, Joe. Can everybody please stand to their feet? We want to do this in unison, and we always must come together touching and agreeing and believing. Father, we thank you again today for everything you've done, everything you're doing, but most of all for what you're about to do. We thank you for bringing us into another year of greatness. We believe, Lord, that the things that you have for us are made on purpose. We are going to walk in purpose. We're going to believe on purpose that all things are going to work together for the good. Even through the trials that we go through in this year, we're going to come out better on the other side. You already showed yourself strong in 2022. 2023, we believe, is going to be great. So we thank you for tonight what you're about to do with the words that you're about to use through your man of God. We thank you and praise you and give you all the glory in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, let everyone say amen. Say one thing, Joe. Yes, sir. They got you. Uh, chap wants us to remind you, any of you that are members here, any of you in the community, anybody that wants to bring family Saturday night uh, Recovery Church chaps having a worship service, uh, and, and he recommends that those of you who have not come to see one of his special events, don't deny yourself that opportunity. Yeah, that works. And those of you coming from the public, same same gig, you can come in at 6:15, and that's true every night of the week. By the way, you 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 guys, if you're new, brand new members, I know a bunch of you are new coming in now. Your family's welcome to come, even though you're, you're here for the first 30 days without much going out. Your family's welcome to come join you here, because we want them to see you in your new role as you're starting to get to know yourself again as a free man or woman. Huh? Okay, so tonight we're going to take a look at steps 5, 6, and 7, which gets us to chapter 6 of our book. 
It's a little chapter entitled Into Action. The authors of this book are very intentional with their words. How many of you can relate in your active addiction, desperately trying to think your way into better acting? How many of you discovered, like me, that that does not work? So what AA's discovered is one of the things we've got to do is, in spite of the way we think, we've got to act our way into better thinking. Does make sense? So this chapter intentionally is named into action, and they're going to start laying out precise actions. Does that make sense? So it says, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? Question mark. How many of you have done a fourth-step inventory? How many of you had a little help deciding what to do about it? Okay, that is one of the things they learned. They thought they could write this book, send it out, people would read it and recover on their own. They discovered that there was a human interaction that was required. And, and so, in fact, they had a guy who wrote to them in New York and said he had read the book and recovered on his own, so they sent him a bus ticket to come tell his story, and he was to be in this book. But when he got there, he was too drunk to get off the bus. So there isn't a chapter on that. Um, just so you know some of that. Okay, so it says, we've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. Did you know that's what we were trying to do? Who's we? The first 100. But if we want to get well, we want to follow their path, right? So when they say we, they're talking about what they needed to do. How many of you knew that the object was to get a new relationship with your creator? If we're, A lot of people don't know that. How many of you came in here sort of atheist or agnostic? So for people who are not believers or at least doubters by nature... Getting a new relationship with a creator we don't believe in is a tall order, isn't it? So what these guys discovered, remember this point of the book, they're, they're telling the story in past tense. Half of them were atheists or agnostics to begin with. But their experience showed that you need not be disconcerted because their experience changed their mind. And so what they discovered is this power we call God is found deep down inside every man, woman, and child. And what really happens when I think the world's causing how I think and feel, the world has no power to do that. The world is simply reflecting how I'm already thinking and feeling. And once they discovered that, they wanted a new relationship with that creator that dwelled within them. Because when I'm having a difficulty in creation, and I check in with creator, creation straightens out. Does that make sense? Any of you have a little time difficult time in creation? Yeah, because we don't get here on a winning streak, right? Okay. All right, so that's what they were trying to do and to discover the obstacles in our path. Those of you who did a four-step inventory found out what some of the obstacles in your path were, yes? Okay. Resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear of various manifestations of self. Yeah? Okay. We've admitted certain defects, and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We've put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. So those of you that have done an inventory, is that what you've done? And those of you who have not done an inventory, do you understand why one would want to do that? They discovered the reason for the third-step prayer 
was that they were going to have to look inward where none of us wants to go. There's going to be a certain amount of fear. So it's going to, in order to do a fearless search, I'm going to need power greater than me to look inward and discover how myself manifests. If I'm going to get an agreement with them. Does it make sense? All right. So did you discover some of those weak items in your personal inventory? Or did someone help share you what they discovered about themselves? Okay. So now it says, now these are about to be cast out. Notice how they did not equivocate. If you're at this point, and you're following, you're tracking, these weak items in our personal inventory are about to be cast out. How many of you have been victimized by the weak items in your personal inventory for years? Doesn't it give you confidence to feel that these people are telling you of a story they've lived? This is their testimony. How many in the room have had a similar testimony? We become new. Okay. This requires action on our part, which complete, when completed will mean that we've admitted to God. Very good. I love it, Mike. So if you guys aren't here regularly, when we say God, because half the original fellowship were atheist or agnostic, and they had to have an experience, so we don't want anyone tripping when we say God. So when we say God, it's interchangeable with power found from within. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction, flowing in. Yes? Okay. To ourselves and to another human being. The exact nature of our defects. This brings us to the fifth step in re program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. So what was the preceding chapter called? How it works, the process, not the power. None of us can fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. But we do know the process, which reveals the power to us through us. And that's what we bear witness to. Does that make sense? Okay. This is perhaps difficult. So we acknowledge the fear first. Especially discussing our defects with another person. How many of you have looked at the fifth step on the wall? and quietly concluded that there was just some shit wasn't getting shared. Okay. So that they talk about that experience. We think we've done well enough admitting these things to ourselves. How many of you have been right along with them? There's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. They're just telling you what they had. How many of you are looking at yourself honestly, even many years sober, have found that a solitary self-appraisal usually lacks important information? It, it often helps to get a version from somebody else how they experienced me. Yeah? Okay. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. So they never suggest what they did without telling you what they experienced as a result, because they've already acknowledged we once thought and felt as you did. But we doubt we'd made much practice, progress had we not taken action. Here's what I did. Here's what I experienced as a result. And in the sharing of the experience comes the understanding. Yes? It's not understandable until you've experienced it. How many of you have awakened spiritually as a result of these steps and knows there's no way to explain it to them? Matter of fact, we have to call to their attention what's happening in them, right? That, that thing that's going on in you right now, that's the power we call God. 
The best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. How many of you came here to overcome an addiction? How many of you here just rested? How many of you have been here for a rest stop and figured out you may have to grow spiritually or you might get ugly? How many of you had to have it get ugly first before you made the... Where's my friend that calls me from the county jail? I'm ready to work the steps. No. I bet you are. Got a lot of time now, don't you? Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Everyone after Dr. Bob's a newcomer. How many times have you tried to keep to yourself certain facts about your life? How many as you grew spiritually found that less and less comfortable? That means you're growing spiritually, right? Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. How many of you did everything you thought you were supposed to do, still ended up spun? Like the, like the guy at the car wash, right? <laughs> so maybe someone didn't lay out for you. There is no rest of the program. I made a decision in three that as long as I had a breath in these lungs, I would use it to advocate for my brother or sister. I'm not done till there's no more breath. And a lot of times we don't tell people that, Okay. So it says, we think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. Why do I tell you that? So that you understand if you're new to this process, the house cleaning isn't the inventory or even the fifth step. It's taking that that I thought was a wasted life and using it, employing it to help another. That's the house cleaning. It converts the trash to treasure. Does it make sense? So it says, they took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. How many of you have done that? Doesn't make much sense when you think about a storekeeper on a shop shelf, right? Oh, let's just put the broken shit behind the fixed stuff. They only thought they'd lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. They put thought in italics. Any guess why? Main center, main problem centers in the mind. How many of you have thought yourself selfless? took a picture of you. So we know from practical experience, one cannot think themselves selfless because the very awareness of self is inherently not selfless. How many of you have thought, you, thought yourself humble? Did you notice the minute you acknowledged your humility, you lost it? Interesting, isn't it? I, I'm not telling you anything. I'm just leading you to why we assume certain things that we know by experience are not true. That's why we have to act our way into better thinking, don't we? Okay, so it says they only thought they had lost their egoism and fear, but they, they only thought they'd humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. All's in italics. Do you think they're talking about the perfect inventory? No, my life didn't end when I made a decision. It started. And so I've got a whole story to tell, and it will evolve. How many of you, as you, your story's similar, 
but the lessons that you've learned along the way are vastly different. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. So now they're talking to us about the battle within, which then projects outward this world that's constantly condemning me. So I want to enjoy a reputation, but I know at my core I don't deserve it. And it's a war. And then I'll, I'll see nothing but impediments to my progress because I'm not okay with me. Anyone relate to what we're... Okay. So the inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. How many of you had sprees? Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they'll never see the light of day. Where'd they tell us the power was found? How many of you relate to pushing that stuff down inside you as far as you can? Piling garbage on my treasure doesn't seem like a good strategy for freedom, does it? What they tell us now is the experience is he's under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. And if it isn't, drinking's not the thing, even if it's just, just thinking that's not serving you. When you find yourself in fear and tension, do you find that you make hasty decisions about something you want to control when you can't control what's going on within you? Maybe they're worldly decisions. Maybe it's just maladaptive behaviors of all types of things. But people like us get in a lot of trouble with maladaptive behaviors. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. How many of you saw a psychiatric professional or two along the way? Oh, I should see a lot more hands. <laughs> yeah, you saw a psychiatric professional. Everyone that ever did an intake anywhere saw a psychiatric, regardless of what the institution was. We've spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. So how many of you have gone to a few shrinks and even spent the insurance company money on them, or maybe even paid out of pocket? So let's, have, let's run it down. Did you tell them the whole truth? Did you follow their advice? Let's see what the authors say. We seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. You know why we don't give advice in 12-step recovery if we're following the manner of living suggested? Because we as a class are people who have spent thousands of dollars for informed medical opinions, lied to get those opinions, and then ignored the results of those opinions. That's what we do. We don't think we're crazy either. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. How many of you learned that? When you started lying to the doc to get you, know, oh, yeah, I, no, I can't take that. I, the only thing I can get, I think it's perka. <laughs> S 
yeah, something like that. I'm not an expert in these matters. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. How many of you had that discovery when you went back to the ER or to wherever you landed and started telling them you're pale and say, yeah, mm -hmm. nah. This, you're exhibiting drug-seeking behavior. You ever heard that shit? They kind of got the system set up that way, don't they? You the dealer. I got to tell you a story. That's <laughs> That's how we do. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. So they're telling us to be, for the first time, maybe in a long time, contemplative. Rightly and naturally. Let's get it right this time. I'm going to be afraid of people. The guy that I really probably want to work with, I'm afraid he won't take me because I don't feel I'm worthy. I'm not worthy of their time. It's just not true. It's just not true. They can't clean their house until they help you clean yours. So it's a life-saving gesture to humble yourself and tell your story to another. Some of you are feeling me when I'm telling you this. That's the power we call God. That's not coming from up here, bubbling in you. And those of you who have told a fifth step know the freedom of it. And those of you that have heard a few know why we want to hear a few more. Because that's the juice, right? Okay. So those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course will, want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. So those of you who have a religious tradition of confession, by all means, do that. They're going to caution us. Do your religious practice in addition to your AA practice. Do not substitute one for the other because you may have a very different experience. They should enhance one another, but they may not produce the exact same result. Does that make sense? Okay. Though we have, have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. How many of you have had that experience? either working with somebody or wanted to talk to someone ordained. It happens. How many of you were working with someone who wanted to talk to someone ordained instead of you? Okay, so we're cautioning you too. If that happens, don't, it's not an egoic thing. It's, it's, sometimes there's things we got to say that's protected by the confessional that really not... Anyway, right? I already know everything I need to know about person who approaches me before I agree to take them. I know who they are and whose they are even if they don't because I'll know from the spirit. Okay. So we often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. See and understand. How many of you didn't really internalize how visible our problem was in active addiction in early days of recovery? Any of you surprised I, how vastly different you looked even a month later? How many of you understand our problem is never the external? Main problem centers in the mind, the solutions deep down within. Neither the problem nor the solution are found outside of us. So the optics to see and understand means 
they understand my difficulties is the way myself manifests, and they know how to help me unpack because they're uniquely qualified, right? Okay. So if we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed-mouth understanding friend. Those of you, how many of you have been blessed with a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps and working with others? Good, a good percentage of you. And the rest of you will be raising your hand soon if you want to get well. So what we're trying to grow into as adult human beings when we're trying to grow spiritually is we're trying to grow into closed-mouth understanding friends. It's, it's an admirable goal, right? And how many of you, when you first got here, and maybe sometime thereafter, would have to admit that you were not always closed mouth nor understand? How many of you have gotten better? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents, which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. So understand what, unaffected by what. Understand that I am in my search for the truth, or you're in your search for the truth, and that I'm going to be unaffected by that search or that truth. Right? Because sometimes in unpacking, we discover, I mean, the truth found within each of us is not their truth or my truth. It's just the truth. But sometimes I've got to unpack some worldliness and in that process of unpacking that worldliness, some of those things can be disturbing, correct? Okay, so if I'm disturbed, then I'm affected. I would recuse myself, yes? And that's how you're, that's your spiritual awakening is all that step. You still got some old ideas that are not serving you in your servant heart, <coughs> Ser service, whatever it is. Yeah? Okay, so the rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be one is so situated that there is no suitable person available. You think that's true in Phoenix, Arizona today? Sounds like the voice of experience. So Sean's pointing out that, you know, sometimes when we're locked up in a place where it's not safe to write things down, um, to do certain things just, just isn't safe, that there could be valid reason to postpone. Yeah? Okay. Um, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, Sean knows this too. It doesn't really matter whether you're confined in a, jail where you don't have a safe place to put something or you just feel unsafe in my presence right now it we're just trying to help you unpack so i it's okay again i already know everything i need to know about you. i know who you are and who you are my job is to help you know okay all right so um so what did i do Okay, if that is so, this step may be postponed, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through it with the first opportunity. So there's a condition attached, hold ourselves in complete readiness. How many of you know what it feels like in a sensory way to hold yourself in complete readiness? I mean, 
You know you're no longer bullshit, and I'll get to it tomorrow. I have a valid reason to postpone, and I will do it the moment I am offered that opportunity. And you know it. It's not a, not a game within. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. We say this because we're very anxious that we talk to the right person. It is important. It isn't about trusting your life to just everybody. The right one will have something on them that will compel you to speak to them. And it won't be the car they drive. or I mean, it might be. But the reality is, it's probably more about their being that you'll just know you're safe and it will probably just ooze out because spirit recognizes spirit. That's been my experience. Um, we say this because we're very anxious that we talk to the right person. It's important that he be able to keep a confidence. So those of you that are working with people, it's important that you be able to keep a confidence. And those of you that are looking for someone, trust the power within you to guide you to that person. Okay? That he fully understand and approve what we are driving at. What am I driving at? I'm driving at the search for the truth, not my truth, not your truth, the truth. Found deep down inside. When I find, find the truth, I'll immediately find the power to carry it out. They reside together within. Right? Okay. But we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. So they held themselves to a standard, but it's an observable standard. How many of you found the right person? Might have wasted a little time. How many of you wasted a little time and you didn't really have the right person? So don't, do, don't be so sure the Spirit's not already speaking to you. Most of us got struck sober and then started doing things we'd never done before. I had to be snatched from that scrap heap, is what I'm trying to tell you. I was not a willing participant. I was willing to lay limp over his shoulders as he carried me out. That's what I was willing We have a written inventory and we're prepared for a long talk. So that would be evidence that I'm ready to go. I've told that story here before. Here, I took a guy through a four-step one time. He'd been 10 years in recovery. And he said, I've never done a four-step. So I took him through one, two, three. He said, look, man, chill. If you think you're ready to move forward, say the prayer. You'll experience an effect. I'll show you right here what they said. Give me a call. Tell me what effect you experienced. And, and we'll move forward as indicated. So he calls me that night. And he says, well, I said that prayer. I didn't feel nothing. But my inventory's done, and I'd like to discuss it tomorrow. I said, well, sometimes someone who's been 12 years in recovery fellowship, 10 years, and has never done a fourth step, and produces one in six hours, that might be considered an effect. And interestingly enough, the authors say we have a written inventory and we're prepared for a long talk. They were pretty smart, huh? They weren't clairvoyant. This is their experience. This is their testimony. They knew when they were ready, the evidence was obvious. Does that make sense? That's how you'll know the next guy's ready. We explained to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we're engaged upon a life and death errand. 
Many people approached in this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. Notice how they said many people. You, you may be so anxious you're not paying attention to the Spirit. And if you go to somebody who you approach in this way and they're not glad to help, they probably aren't the one. Nothing wrong with them. Just They're trying to tell you what their markers are, right? They tell us all these things so that we'll know where we are and so we can help others when they ask. I don't know what's up with this because we've got an experience. Yeah? So it says we pocket our pride and go to it. They drop mental picture there. How many of you sat down to tell your story? Maybe, maybe you did the inventory and told the story at the same time. Maybe you had a written inventory, depending on. There's no right or wrong way, guys. There's just a move forward in faith. I was shaking too bad, and and I could not write. And the fellow I was with knew that, and so he took the pen, said, "Talk slow. We'll write it all down. We'll check with you at the end. See how you're doing." But other people may go another way, depending on, okay. But inevitably, we come to the moment where we've got to tell that thing that really bothers us to have to tell about ourselves to someone we desperately want to like us. Any of you feeling what I'm putting down? So I just found a guy after so many years that'll even tolerate being in my presence, and now I've got to tell him about this gnarly stuff about it. So they draw this picture of, I'll never be able to employ that experience to help another, therefore I'll never unpack if I don't start preparing. And that, so I'm going to have to take the idea that I can control how you feel about me. The insanity of addiction is even though I can't control how I think about me, I think I can act in a way to control how you think about me. So part of erasing that delusion is that right there. Yes? Okay. So it says, says, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. Guys, you will feel an experience of delight, and if you're too dead in the spirit like I was, you may not feel it, but the guy taking you through it will... And he'll call it to your attention. The first sign of life in me was not known to me. But the man who called to my attention the life within me indeed knew. And I was never the same from that moment. So it says we can look the world in the eye. How many of you had a hard time looking at people in the eye for a while? We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. How many of you have to admit that's still a struggle at times? People, a lot of people new in recovery don't know that. They don't, you know, they've always been in some kind of a mix. And all of a sudden, you need to go spend a little time alone. I'm not a, I'm not a relationship police. I'm not saying that. Do you. Do them if it's consensual. But you may want some time alone to get to know you, because I'll guarantee you, you'll think everything is the problem until you find out how you think. And you won't know what you're thinking until you've had time to decompress. Our fears fall from us. As the fears fall, 
the manifestations of self diminish. And people start to notice, Joe, you're different. And then I can honor my third step. Yes, I met God. He sees to it that I'm different. Right? And then it says, we begin to feel the nearness of our creator. Now they're really talking to us about the sensory experience of awakening in the spirit. It's so important we call this to the attention of the people we're going through the process with. Half of them are atheists or agnostics, and we're afraid because, oh, I don't believe in God. Okay, do you believe in power? Oh, yeah, I believe in power. Okay, do you feel that fucking power? Because that's what's up. Why are we so afraid? They're going to go out and die in their addiction if we don't tell them the truth. So we begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. This is what we got to help people with. The second step is all about the experience unfolding, the encounter, right? Power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction flowing in. If we don't know that, of course we're not going to seek it. Ease and comfort in the world without going out in the world to get it. Who doesn't want that when they've got an addictive disorder? This isn't a tough sale, and your commission was paid in advance. You're free. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. How many of you had that happen? Like, there was no evidence that a drink problem for me should ever freaking disappear. I had to be chained up or locked up or whatever, or it didn't stop. And then one day, pow, it never happened again. And I didn't even think the same way from that moment. We feel that we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Look at how they're talking to us. Half of them atheist or agnostic. Now, instead of on this narrow tightrope of a life that many of us live. They're on a broad highway, walking hand in hand with the Spirit. Pretty neat picture, isn't it? Any of you ever just were a perfectionist at heart? Go this way or that way? How many of you grew into yeah, I hose stuff? I learned from it. I go the other way, right? Why do you think we got a step that says, when wrong, promptly admit it? They wouldn't have put that there if they expected us to grow into perfection. They told us over and over, we're not perfect. We're not saints. We're just willing to grow along spiritual line. Why? Because it's better. It's spiritual inebriation instead of worldly inebriation. Okay. So returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. That's pretty specific, isn't it? People don't know the instructions are in this book after all these years. And we, we show them how the precise instructions are there, and they're like, that's amazing. I go, yeah, it is. But there are precise instructions, but here's the secret. If I haven't been through the process a few times and helped other people to wake up to the spirit, I'm just not, I'm not any good at deciphering the experience. Because again, it's, it's not one that's understood. It's, it's only one that's experienced. Once it's experienced, it's quite easy to point out, right? All right, so... Carefully reviewing what we've done. So what have we done? We, we had our encounter. We asked for that counter to 
join us in this internal search. It's produced this inventory. I've now discussed it with another, and there may have been that little thing I held back. Just keep that on the down low. There's an opportunity. How many of you held something back in a fist step? How many of you got called out in the middle of it? That's typically what happens, right? What are you holding back? Oh, how the fuck do you know? How many of you know how he knew? Guys, when we take you through the, I always tell people, you can't lie to me without my permission. If I take you through the stuff and you're holding back, I'm waiting for that flow of the spirit. When you get yours, I get mine. I have always known when you held my head. Long before I knew recovery. So when you hold back, it doesn't even matter what you're holding back. It's just what are you holding back. And if you get through that whole thing, and then this is the time of reflection. Because, look, I'm never going to go use it to help another if I can't tell this guy that loves me enough to sit with me hours out of detail. Right? All right, so... So, carefully reviewing what we've done, we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. I will tell you this, for me, as a believer, that was the first honest prayer I ever said. I had been raised around churches, I had pleaded with God, made deals with God, done everything in the world, but what I had never done is experienced and then acknowledged the experience of God within me. And when I did that, it was revolutionary. So when I said this prayer, I knew him better because I knew him. But more importantly, he knew me. Does this make sense? Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything, for we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? So a lot more metaphors basically telling us let's go back to 58-59. Let's look at the first five proposals and let's make sure we're good. The first step says we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Powerless when? That's it. What ends up happening, so people don't, some people miss it, you know, I don't pick up no matter what. Any of you heard that? How many of you could not wrap your hand around, head around not picking up no matter what? Not in light of my experience. I pick up no matter what. I don't do the same thing expecting a different result. This is me getting ready to go drink. This is going to suck. Why? You know what I'm talking about? Powerless over alcohol when I'm drinking because of this manifestation of craving that develops beyond my mental control. Powerless over alcohol when I'm not drinking because I can instantly, many, many years sober, still bring to consciousness the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a few drinks. I can do it right now sitting with you. I can think about getting a script and do the same thing. You cocaine addicts don't think. You'll be running for the bathroom. I only got 
I know my audience. So. There's a dash after that, that our lives have become unmanageable. Interesting, in the first step, they had me take my first step of faith because I copped to unmanageability before I knew what unmanageability was. Any of you relate to what I'm saying? Go back to page 52, and let's look at the unmanageability I copped to before I started on my second step and count. It says, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems this same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. How many of you had a little trouble with personal relationships? How many of you discovered that people were the problem and so you isolated away from all people? Any of you try that? How many of you still had trouble with personal relationships? So then you really knew the main problem centers in mind. We always do that in here, right? You got anyone you're holding resentments for right now? Anybody? Come on, someone be brave. Are they in the room? If they're not in the room, you brought them in here. See how dangerous that is? Come on, we're just trying to make a point. We're not poking fun. We're all silly. Okay. All right, so we couldn't control our emotional natures. Any of you had that discovery? How many of you discovered it after some time in sobriety? Pretty hard to pull that I've got it all together thing when you're Powder keg, huh? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Guys, we were never designed as human beings to control our emotional nature. Anyone Self-control is a divine power. We're designed to experience our emotional nature and to use it with power in our testimony. But that's why I improve consciousness of the power within me, because the consciousness of that power is not the emotion or the thought, it's just the experiencer of thought and emotion. Yes? So it says, we were prey to misery and depression, couldn't make a living, had a feeling of uselessness, we were full of fear, we were unhappy, couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Do you relate to that? That's the unmanageability of my life. I lack power and I lack purpose. Where do I find power and purpose? Deep down inside, in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. But so with us. Starting to make sense now, yes? Why we're here? All right. So, now what did I do? I'm, oh, I got to go back to 59. I got, I'm flipping around too much, Sean. You're not keeping me. Okay, so we, we know what's up. The unmanageability that I copped to came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. What is insanity, according to the authors? An appalling lack of perspective. Sean always points out simplicity. I, I, I'm drinking when I don't want to. I'm using when I don't want to. But ultimately, it's, it's this lack of perspective. I don't bring to consciousness with sufficient force the memory of suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago, and I do it again. Right? Okay. And so... This power that we come to believe in, where do we find it? And how do we find it? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. Okay, so based on that encounter, we've encountered power. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. They put it in italics. That's been falsely portrayed for years, guys. You'll hear people say this is a God of your understanding. That's not what they said. They, 
They are the first 100. They've told you precisely how they understood God. They understood God to be this power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. Bill said it felt like the cool wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. All of them talked of this sensory experience, where it came from, how it manifested, how it changed them. That wasn't a God of their understanding. It's a God as they understood him writing this book, Past Tense. Does that make sense? And we really screw people up when we tell them, especially the religious people, because they know we're lying right away because we got another book that says, lean not on your, to your own understanding. And how many of you have grown in the spirit and know for a fact that your understanding is often incomplete? So, as they understood him to be this experience from within, regardless of theology, this is relationship anyway. It has nothing to do with theology. Yes? Okay? So, what does it mean to turn my will and my life? Yeah, and even, really, my breath, right? I've agreed, my breath is now my, my breath, it's his breath, and I'm going to breathe into brothers and sisters for a lifetime, right? So, so it's, it's, it's much more detailed than people will let us believe. My thoughts are not going to go until my breath goes. When my breath goes, my thoughts will follow, and eventually it will change my mind. I will be transformed. Make sense? Okay. So, then it says we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, as opposed to making a searching and fearless moral inventory of others, which many of us have done. And then we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being. So when we say God, what are we talking about? power found within for ourselves and this human being that's heard me, right? And we've, we've taken a look at the nature of our wrongs. The nature of our wrongs are rooted in fear. I'll take you one step further. It's rooted in a loss of identity. The whole idea is we're going to wake you up to who you are and whose you are, and then there ain't no higher title. Okay. All right. So that's where we are. And now we are on page 76. And it says, if we can answer to our satisfaction, then we then look at step six. So did I do everything I was supposed to do? Did I unpack? Did I tell all those things? Am I satisfied? Did I get it straight? Am I ready to move forward? Okay. And then it says we've emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? The singular instruction for step six is found in that sentence. And a lot of people are looking for all kinds of explanation, but what it amounts to is if I've turned my thoughts and my breath over to the care of this power, then all I've got to do is quit struggling with my thoughts. See, there is this idea that there's God's will and then there's my will is nonsense. There's God's will and my opposition to it. So what, what I've got to do is outgrow my opposition to it and let God take me to better things. So the instruction is less. Does it make sense? And I, it's not an action as much as following through on the commitment I already made to enter the manner of living. That's why I did three, 
was so that I could get armed with the facts about myself. How many of you have seen the third step prayer card with a amen at the end of it? Some drunk did that. <laughs> there ain't no amen on it. It's only half the prayer. We're not mad at him. He's drunk. That's what they do. But we all do. Got something to sell? Here we go. Everybody got to have a hustle. But the reality is, that was just me. That was my road to Damascus moment. That was the opening of my eye. I'm not going to be ready to bear witness till my eyes are open, right? Okay. So it says, are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now take them all, every one? These are questions you're asking yourself. And you know why that is? What they tell us the first step in recovery was. We learned we had to fully concede to our innermost self. You can't do that based on a lie. So it's always about personal accountability, not outward accountability, personal accountability to the power within. I'm responsible for my brothers and sisters, but I'm accountable to the one. That make sense? Okay. If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. So they ask us to be armed with willingness, and then to be honest with our lack of willingness, and then ask God to give us the willingness until it comes. And those of you who are biblical students, that shouldn't bother you. Our righteousness is through him. Does that make sense? And those of you who are not biblical, don't, don't get your knickers in a knot. We're just talking about if willingness was the key, and I knew that, and that knowledge wasn't enough to let me demonstrate any outward manifestation of willingness, but when I started just asking in silent groans, things started going another way. So as I grow spiritually, I'm still going to have to ask for willingness. And it's going to come. Yes? Okay. And then it says, when ready. So I guess what you'd want to do is get ready. And that would really be a personal journey with you and your creator. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Now, what people, Steve said tonight, he goes, oh, five, six, and seven, the flyover step. Now, I know he was kidding. But those people, if you've never progressed past here, the first honest prayer I ever said was in five, not three. I thank God from the bottom of my heart that I knew him better. Now I have every expectation in agreement with this power that animates me that I am going to go unpack. And I am going to need agreement because I've got a list of people I've harmed that I've got to go make amends. I've got to make approaches, and then I've got to start treating them better, and in many cases, better than I wanted. How many of you had to go treat people better than you wanted to and found you were empowered to be kinder than you felt like being? What is that but a power greater than you working through you? And, you, and when you're not willing to do that or you fall short, then admit promptly when you're wrong. Go back through the same process, right? It's a manner of living, guys. We don't work the steps. It's not a workbook exercise. It's a manner of living where we simply acknowledge our human condition. And in so doing, we honor all the, our fellow humans and we fulfill our commitment. Yes? Depending on where you get your commitment from, there is one book that says, if you love me, feed my sheep. And all of us know that we feel better when we're helping other people. Right? 
This whole place is built on this model. It's never, it's never been any more complex than that. One convict armed with the facts about himself can generally help another convict in a few hours. True? Lived experience. It's a peer model. Same way they, they did apprenticeship for centuries. That's all we do here. What happens when you get here, guys? Welcome home! How many of you thought, who are these crazy motherfuckers? What are they going to get from me? How many of you woke up and found out, no, man, we love you. We, we built this place before we met you, and then we started talking to you, and the more we learned about your gnarly life, the more we loved you. Where's my friend Naomi? Where did he go? Yeah, he, he, oh, did, oh, he had a curfew. He didn't get it off yet. Naomi, after a life sentence and all those things, at the clemency this week, he got stepped down to, to gentleman. Yeah, it's a big deal. And if you ever have to follow Naomi when you testify, He's about seven foot six. So when you go to walk up to the podium, they have to build like a platform on top of the podium for the mic so he can talk in it. And then you got to walk up behind him and like. Anyway, we've then completed step seven.